Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today on An Actor Despairs, we have actor and musician Leon Robinson. You know Leon from projects like Cool Runnings, The Temptations, Above the Rim, and Madonna's Like a Prayer video. At the end of this episode, we're going to hear a single off his new record. Here's our conversation. Leon, how you doing? Very good. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. It's an honor and a privilege to talk with you, man. Oh, well, thank you. It's nice to come in here in a nice, cool studio on a hot day. Yeah, man. You know, when I think of, like, top five, like, excellent actors, man, like, black excellence, like you, Harry Lennox, Wendell Pierce, Wood Harris are, like, pinnacle of all time man so wow thank you very much it, it, it's it's a real honor to have you here man and you got a career that spans three decades i mean how's it feel you know has <laughs> <laughs> it been a ride uh, yeah it's been a hell of a ride you know i try not to think about you know what i've done i focus on what i'm about to do and you're still looking better than ever man i gotta get your <laughs> jeans jeez <laughs> <laughs> you gotta thank my mom and dad for that i got touche well speaking of mom and dad let's start from the beginning man. you grew up here in new york right grew up here in new york i was born right here in manhattan mount sinai hospital nice I was raised in the Bronx and Mount Vernon. And were your parents in the arts at all? No, not at all. Wow. Far from it. My mom was a, a career school teacher. Um, and my dad worked for the, um, was at first when I was young, he was a police officer. No way. Yeah. And then my mom urged him to quit because, um, you know, she just couldn't sleep at night worrying about him. So he started working for the Transit Authority. Okay. And uh, became an executive with MTA. And um, retired. Um, retired basically after he um, suffered from a stroke when I was actually doing a movie. I remember that, yeah. Oh, sorry to hear that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's life's life stinks. And, and growing up in the Bronx, obviously, there's a big cultural diversity there. Did you have any kind of affiliation with the arts at a young age or any kind of... You know, to be honest, you know, I just... Like music even... I was a kid who grew up in a house full of music. My dad loved music. Um, his favorite singer was Nat King Cole. Oh, the best. And um, I grew up listening to a lot of um, Motown and, and you know, obviously Marvin Gaye was enamored with Smokey Robinson just because even at a young age, um, I was into stories and he could tell stories with his lyrics. And yeah. I just, so I, I quickly gravitated to that until... Um, until at 13, um, a friend of mine, um, Trevor was his name, um, outside of his window, I was listening to um, Bob Marley's Not The Dread album, and it kind of changed the course of my music wow. when I heard that album, and I just listened to it over and over again to even my dad was like, what, like what's going on with you? <laughs> and um, I think... You know, even to this day, that you know, I perform with my band and stuff. That mixture between reggae and soul is, you know, it's embedded in me, and that's the kind of music that I do. Wow! And did you, did you find your voice young? Like, did you know you singing? You know? Yeah, you know, singing around the house, singing with my dad. Um, that was something we always did. Um, and yeah, I mean, I always sang, you know, but I never, I never was never, you know, like I didn't pursue, you know a singing career or anything like that. I was, you know, I was, I was a regular kid, you know, I was excelling in athletics. I was a popular kid in school, you know. So. It was a casual thing for you that you could do. Yeah, it was a yeah. casual thing. But yeah. I mean, but it, it was something that I did often. I mean, as a matter of fact, you know, growing up in New York City streets of New York, you know, how you would, um, how you would get girls, you'd, you know, you'd rap the girls on the street corner. Yeah. You know, and so, um, I was, you know, I was a bit shy with the rapping thing. So what I would do is I would sing the girls. And I would oh. change the lyrics around from like Smokey Robinson songs. <laughs> You know, it worked out well for I me. bet you crushed it, dude. That's awesome. Well, you know, I did all right. But, you know, I went to all boys um, prep academy, so I didn't really get to go to school, in high school at least, with girls. Wow. Yeah. But in grammar school, it was all good. <laughs> and then you actually went to college and played basketball, right? Yeah. Yeah. Went to um, Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. Wow. And um, after, you know, being an all-city basketball player here in New York, and for some reason, I only considered schools in California. Um, I guess I, I was getting sick of the winters and, and was looking at, you know, beach movies and Elvis Presley movies and said, like, I think I need to be out there. <laughs> yeah. And are you glad that that experience changed you in a lot of ways? Well, yeah. I mean, if I hadn't um, gone out to school in California, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Yeah. Because um, that's where I was discovered by a graduate film student walking on campus to be in this movie. 
No way. Yeah. And that's that's where it all went down the path veered. Yeah, that's when um, I had an experience that we all have. Yeah. You know, you ever sit across from someone for an hour, but you feel as though you've lo- known them so much longer than an hour. Totally. Well, that's the way I felt um, on this film set. It was called The Photographer. I had, I had never acted before, but I felt as though this was me. Like, this was something that I, I felt comfortable doing as though I'd been here before. Yeah. And so, um, there you go. I guess, you know, um, when I was in grammar school, I did this um, variety show when I was in eighth grade. Um, I saw my sister's high school class do this rock and roll um, revival. And um, I asked the nuns, I went to parochial schools and I asked the nuns, could we do this at our grammar school instead of the corny stuff that we normally do? And they said, okay. So me and my friends, I mean, I choreographed all the numbers and the, the good looking girls in school played the Andrew sisters and you know, I played Chubby Checker. My buddy, who's really good looking, played Elvis Presley, and and it was like sold out. If you want to do it over and over again, but you know, going to the All Boys Prep Academy, there was no drama department at that point, so I just excelled in athletics. Wow. Yeah. And then you pivoted once you got bitten by the bug to studying theater. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a business administration major and on scholarship at school, but you know, then eventually um, I switched over and became a drama major. And were your parents receptive to the idea of you switching to the arts, or was that a tough? Um, no, they, that was okay. They were cool with that. Um, when, what they weren't cool with, but they accepted was when, um, I decided not to go back to school and I gave up my scholarship, um, because I got a part in a play and I asked the, t- the coach on the team if I could miss this one game to be in a play, um, Sarah and the Sex by John Carlino. And, um, he said, if you do this, you're not going to be off the team. And so I had to make a decision. Wow. But, you know, it wasn't a decision that I consulted my parents. <laughs> yeah. You had to go with your heart. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was tough. But I think that, you know, once they saw, once they went to my first movies and stuff like that, you know, they were like, okay. You know, but I mean, I I completely understand. Yeah. You know, my parents grew up and, you know, and they're growing up in the Bronx and, you know, and, and they are... <laughs> They don't know any actors. There's no actors around me. I don't, yeah. you know, it's not like I live in Malibu. My dad is a director or anything like that. They don't know anything about the business or anything like that. So, of course, you know, I'm, you know, I'm giving up thousands and thousands of dollars of worth of education. You know, they're like, you know, what are you doing? You know, so, you know, I understood, you know, how they were skeptical, especially my dad, but, you know, you have to do what you got to do. And then after that play, where did you find yourself? Did you did you come back to New York? Did you were you staying in L.A.? Where did you decide to build it up? No, um, I stayed in L.A. You did. I stayed in L.A. Um, for um, a little while, um, and then I came here and I studied um, at HB Studios. Wow! And I studied at um, American Academy of Dramatic Arts and did a full program of you know scene study in the morning and technique, and then. <laughs> Um, jazz and ballet in the afternoon wow. and you know just you know just art school just, yeah just equating myself to the arts yeah you know? and so um, and then I went back out to California for about I don't know eight years or so to establish my career yeah you know, I remember working for uh, a photographer named Buddy Rosenberg he used to shoot all everybody's headshots wow and he took a liking to me allowed me to be like his assistant and so it would allow me to go out on auditions and stuff. So I learned a lot about photography and how to take good headshots. Yeah. And, you know, meanwhile, while pursuing my career. And so, you know. You must have had the best headshots in the game. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they got me where I need to go. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's what you do in the room. Yeah. Ain't that yeah. the truth? Yeah. So. And speaking about being in the room, like when you were in L.A., what kind of things were you navigating early in your career? Were you going up for, you know, we live in a content bubble now. Was it episodics? Was it movies? Well, you know, when you're starting off acting, you do whatever. Yeah, anything. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, you know, you have a you have a theatrical agent if you're lucky, in which, you know, most times you don't even have that. Yeah. So, you know, you're reading. Um, you're grinding on your own. Well, yeah, yeah. You're, you're reading the trades and you're, you're sending your stuff to casting directors and your headshots. You mean, you, you, don't, you don't have any credits. Yeah. You know, and so, of course, you don't have an agent unless someone saw you in a play or something like that. So, um, you know, it. it Things in me would just happen, you know, there were so many signs that this is what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. So I remember I got a call while I was working um, at the photography studio. Um, I submitted my, you know, pet headshots and stuff from a, a casting director asking me to be an extra in a movie. 
and um and I was like uh I don't want to be an extra I want to be in a movie <laughs> yeah so you know I just didn't even consider it and then after a while I <laughs> I thought to myself I said you know what you know I've never even been on a movie set a real one <laughs> you know <laughs> this might be a maybe I should do this just at least to see, you know, what's happening. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, so then I agreed to do it. And I had these, you know, illusions of grandeur that, um, you know, of course I would be on the set and, you know, director would see me or producer and be like, oh, no, we, he's got to be in the movie. Yeah. You know? So, um, and that's basically what happened. It was, um, I was playing a paratrooper. I was an extra playing a paratrooper in a movie with Bill Murray. And Bill Murray had sat right next to me and he started ad-libbing and asked me, was I scared and all this stuff? And one perfect tear dropped down my eye. And the director's like, close up, close up on him, close up on him, close up on him. That's perfect. Okay, great. Oh, that was awesome. Okay. And I was like, okay, um, can you sign this? I was like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> and it was like, it was just like I thought, you know. Um, but it was great because it was, it was the, it was the, 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 how do you say the um? What is that expression? The the high and the low, yeah, of things because that happened, and then you know I might have, I remember calling the casting director when I found, saw the movie was coming out and was like, oh yeah, sure, we'd love we to give you a ticket to the premiere. It's like that'd be great, you know. So I'm going, I go to the premiere, and I'm sitting there, you know, all cool and stuff, and my part never comes. Oh no, dude, <laughs> because. I didn't know. Yeah, that, that's what, No, I didn't know at what they were shooting was an alternative ending. Got it. I, so they never didn't even use that part. Yeah. So I didn't know that. So you know, you, so it was a real lesson in Hollywood. It was like the perfect lesson for me. I knew I should be there, but I also realized it wasn't going to be easy. Yeah. You know. So, um, and then um, what happened? I had a, a, a guy that I met through the studio. He gets his headshots there. An actor that was working. Um, I forget his name. Um, it was Corky Ford. Actor. Yeah, Corky Ford was his name. Yeah, he was an actor. You know, it was you know black actors. You know, one day to make black actors that were working at that time. You yeah, came, you were. It was one in in a movie. <laughs> so um, he was. You know, he was making some headway and stuff. And he um, he told me that he was doing this high school basketball musical for PBS, and. Um, and they needed someone because they had hired an actor who couldn't play basketball. So um, he'd seen me play basketball. He was just like, um, dude, you just come. Just come meet the producers. Come meet the producers. So I came there, and, and they took a look at me. and said, well, you're perfect. You know, it's like that. But listen, they said, we can't take this chance again, dude. Um, we got to know if you can play basketball. You know, so we were in high school gym and stuff. And so they said, could you, like, you know, dribble or shoot around or do something like that? I said, yeah, yeah no problem. You know, so... I dribbled around for a little bit, took a couple jump shots, drained him, threw it off the backboard, caught it, threw it behind <laughs> Above my head. Above the rim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, threw it behind my head backwards and stuff. Yeah, as soon as I did that, they just rushed out and gave me a contract. Oh, man. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so it was my basketball paid off, actually. And it all came full circle. <laughs> yes, exactly. So That's amazing. Yeah. And then how soon did the Madonna Like a Prayer video happen? Oh, that was much later. Yeah. I, mean, I had already done some several studio movies at that time. Got I had it. done Band of the Hand, um, the Michael Mann produced movie. I did uh, street walking with Melissa Leo. I'd done um Get Cliffhanger happened. I, no, no, no. Yeah. I'd done um The Flamingo Kid with wow. Matt Dillon and um and I'd also And what were your I mean you've worked and I did with, all the right moves. All the right yeah, moves with Tom Cruise. Yeah, exactly. I did all those movies way before um I ever um you know, met um Mary Lambert. For who directed the Madonna video, yeah. And talk to me about some of those, before we get into the Madonna video, about some of those early films. What was it like working? Because a lot of those films, you know, I, I, I talk about it a lot in this podcast, they don't make those kind of movies anymore. You know, now it's like superhero movies or a TV show. And those kind of like mid-budget American movies, they don't exist anymore. Yeah, you know, it's, um, I mean, they, they, they do. They do exist. They, they exist on the indie level. Yeah. So you have to find them. They're not, the studios aren't... um you know, trying to make those movies unless, you know, some director, huge director or star wants to have, have his pet project and they're trying to keep him happy. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, you know, you know, it to me, it was just, I was just making my way in Hollywood, you know? Yeah. I remember I just, from that movie, the high, the high school basketball musical, I met, um, I met my friend's agent 
uh, Miriam Baum, who was my first agent. And she she's a friend to this day. And um, she was my first agent. So she would, you know, send me out on things. And um, I remember um, being in New York, um, was back in New York, and she sent me out an audition for um, this football movie. And, you know, Tom Cruise wasn't a star at that time. Yeah. So, you know... Um, so they sent me out this football movie, and I remember going in. Um, I remember going into no, actually, no. What happened before that? This is what happened. I remember. <laughs> actually, before the first thing I did before any of that, I did. Remember, they used to have these um, afternoon specials. Yeah. ABC afternoon specials, and I went in for an audition. You know, and it's like I said back then. You know, it's like every black actor there would go in. You know, and so. There was an actor who's actually um, that was in the high school basketball thing um, called Michael T. Williams, mm-hmm. and um, really good actor. He, you know, he played in Forrest Gump and so many other things. And um, <laughs> I remember going in, and um, you know, you know, it's one of the rare chances. You know, actors would get a chance, you know, black guys get a chance to get an audition to be in something, and um, Ralph Macchio was starring in it. And um, not that I knew who was starring at the time. So I remember, you know, sitting there and Michael T went in. He was like, uh, he came out like this. Yeah, looks like I got another one. You know, I guess he was, you know, his intimidation factor. Yeah, <laughs> just f-ing with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a new actor at this yeah. point, so I don't really know what's going yeah. on at that point. And so, but it was really cold-blooded the way they would do it because actually, you know, what they would do is like you'd go in and everyone would still after you'd go in, they, you know, you still sit out there. Yeah. And then the casting director would just come out and go like this. Okay, you go home, you go home, you go home, you go home, you go home. It was like, like Juilliard style. Yeah, you know, it was crazy, right? So no, I know that I was yeah. still there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then the next thing you know, they came out and said, Listen, um, could you stick around longer? We want you to read with a um a few um girls to play your girlfriend. So so I'm like you know, and this is not the this is not the age of cell phones. Yeah. So you know, so you know, I gotta go. You know, I gotta like kill time. To a, I gotta go to a phone or something and go. Um, I don't know what's happening, but they're keeping me here. They said they want me to read girls to play my girlfriend. Does that mean I'm I'm gonna get the movie? You know, <laughs> and they go like, um, yeah. Well, that's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I you know I wind up doing all the right moves and and then a similar situation happened. I was in L.A. and um. I was sent on audition with um, the late great Gary Marshall. Wow! And I um, met him, and you know it was funny. We just joked around, you know. Yeah. I read, and you know they laughed at a few different ways, and then we just you know joked around, whatever. And um, and I just left, and as soon as I left, I you know went to a phone to call my agent, saying that um, you know tell him that it, I thought it went really well, and they said I can't talk to you right now. They're on the phone trying to make a deal. Wow. And I was like, okay, wow, I like this business. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is like, this is cool. Yeah. You know? So, um, and so I wanted to join the Flamingo Kid, which is great, you know, because I have lifelong friends from that movie. Yeah. You know, Matt Dillon has been one of my longest friends um, in this business forever, as well as Fisher Stevens and, you know, um, Marissa, Marissa Tomei was on that movie. Yeah. And, you know, it was, just, it was, it was, it was a good time. And, and, and talk to me because you made this switch in your life and you got into the arts later, but, in all these films that I've seen, you're an incredible performer, and you're really gifted. You really, I I, I know this can be a, a, a bad term for, but you're a character actor. You really build a character. I see a character. I don't see you. So talk to me about exploring and finding your voice on these early films. Did you kind of feel like you, you didn't know what you were doing, and you were kind of learning as you went, or did you, from these classes at AMDA and, and HRB Studios, did you find your voice? Like um, HB Studios, yeah. HB Studios, yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, I I learned, you know, I learned the technique of acting. Um, but I have to say that, you know, what happens that um with me is that um early on I would do um like I would do some scenes and stuff and I was I was naturally good. Um which um caused me not to work as hard. Yeah. And so um you know, uh, a couple of teachers, you know, really came down hard on me. You know, like you're not putting the work in. You know, you're not working as hard as you need to work. Um, yes, you 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 have some talent, but you know, that means nothing. Yeah. You know, so um, and I you know, and I think when you're an actor, sometimes um, when you're working with a, a a teacher, that you know, every teacher is not right for every actor, and you have to find um, who you are 
and what works for you and and that person that can guide you to make you the best you can be. And I was very lucky that I um, I found a guy by the name of Sal Romeo, um, who still teaches today in um, in Los Angeles, in the Valley, actually, right near um, Warner Brothers. Oh. He has a theater company there, and, and um, he's amazing. And um, and what he when I went to meet him, the first thing he said to me was, um, "Okay, great. Um, I don't want to mess with this. I just want to teach you how to use it. Wow. I want to teach you how to because you have something." He says, "I want to make sure you can control it and do what you want to do with it." Yeah. You know, and no one had ever said that to me before. Everyone was trying to get me to do Shape a certain you, thing, you a certain and, yeah, have yeah. to do a certain technique and this and that. And, yeah. and he was like, he was like, no, you, you have something here. And what I want to do is teach you how to control it yeah. and use it, you know, to, to be the best you can be. And that changed everything to me, for me. So know? that was your artistic father, so to speak, in a lot of ways. And, yeah, yeah. In, in some respects, definitely yeah. acting wise. Yeah. And so, um, and you know, and then I continued to study with him, and and um, and I started working. Yeah. I just started working. You know, um, was lucky enough to be blessed to you know to be a working actor, and I was I was getting the roles that were coming my way. And working opposite a lot of those people was it was it a wonderful experience? Kind of getting to be in that kinetic environment because you know movies you're on there for fourteen hours and you shoot for three, but were those fun times? Looking back on them, they were great times. Yeah. I mean, you know, I made fantastic friends. You know, uh, like I told you, Flamingo Kid, I, lifelong friends. Yeah, and. um yeah, I mean, it was great, you know, and even experiences of other movies where maybe I don't, you know, I may not be in contact with these people, but during those times, it was amazing because I was, you know, I was a bit of a method actor and so were the other actors that I was with, you know, um, the, the late um, Chris Penn, Sean Penn's brother. Yeah. I mean, we were very close, you know, I, I would, <laughs> I practically <laughs> lived in the Penn's house, you know, uh -huh. I'd walk in the house without even knocking on the door. Yeah. You know, and so, um, you know, when we were, when we would do our movies and, you know, and, uh, and I still feel this way to this, to this day, it's hard to do it now because the process in which, you know, we make movies and television now isn't, um, isn't the same way. We don't have that rehearsal, yeah. and, you know, and so you're a rehearsal guy. Of course. Yeah. You know, I love it too. Yeah, well, yeah. If, if you're an actor and you do theater, the yeah. rehearsals, everything. No, I, I agree. Yeah, it doesn't know, exist so. often anymore. And when you uh, ask someone for it, they look at you like you, you know, I'm. Oh, no, yeah. no. They, yeah. they cast you and they want you to just show up the day to shoot. Yeah. You, you know, know? And so it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's a totally different thing. And so, but, um, you know, all of us were our characters. We never called each other by anything but our character names. Yeah. And we stayed in character. And it was a beautiful thing, you know, and because it was cool because for those three months or whatever, how long we shot a movie. That's who I was. Yeah. I was that guy in the movie. And now he was, he was my friend. And then like, and that's the way it was. And it was great. And then we related to each other in that way. And it was fantastic. And then being at that age and then getting that success, I imagine you start to have some freedom with roles you were choosing. Um, yeah, you all, it's no, it's, it's not so much roles you're choosing at that point. It's about, um, being available. Right. <laughs> yeah you know yeah. <laughs> it's like sometimes you would get offers and you you weren't available yeah or you couldn't you know like you know for example everyone assumes i'm a, I'm a well-known new york actor yeah i've never worked with spike lee wow no and i know spike yeah and um but the one time spike wanted me to come in for a role early on in my career um i told him i would of course yeah and i really wanted to but my agent wouldn't let me because he says you're not available Oh, you're booked out. And so you don't want to go in for something and have someone like you and off your role. And then the producers not hate you. And, you know, so yeah. it's like, you know, so and, and from that moment on, you know, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen the um, work with him or, you know, since. But, you know, it's so but I'm just saying it's like sometimes you're just not available when you're working a lot. Yeah. So there's things you miss out on. Totally. <laughs> and. Talk about talk to me about Black Hollywood. Did you feel it? Because I talked to Harry about this. There was a moment in the Five Heartbeats that I found to be such an interesting moment. And we don't have to talk about that film if, unless you want to. But well, I, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine doing an interview of any sort without mentioning the Five Heartbeats. It's a great film, one of my yeah, favorites. Yeah, definitely. But this is a, the reason I bring that up is in the moment there's the A and R guy who gives you guys the record cover, and you guys are no longer on it. And he says he's doing that so you can cater to a white audience mm -hmm. when you started making those film selections or what you were choosing how did you feel as a young black man navigating hollywood did you feel pigeonholed did you feel limited did you were you 
choosing certain things to stay out of certain stereotypes? Like how did how did you navigate that terrain? Well, to be perfectly honest, you know, I was like one of the black actors that was in the white movies. Yeah. And so I wasn't really I wasn't doing any black movies. Um, it wasn't until um Tim Reed. I don't know if you know Tim Reed, the actor, director, KRP Cincinnati. um yeah he um he had requested um he had requested me to do um a movie um um called once upon a time when we were colored based on a book a great book felicia rashad was my mom and it's a really great actors very good movie won naacp image award um for best film um roger ebert champion it was was one of his top 10 films of the movie of the year um and it was great because on that film, um, I met, um, it was a film for actually, um, it was a film company by Bob Johnson for BET. And, um, and it was, um, co-financed by a guy by the name of Butch Lewis, mm-hmm. late great boxing promoter who became a very good friend, very close friend. And, um, and from that moment on, you know, I kind of like, um, got introduced to, you know, black Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, and started um, having friends that were in black Hollywood, and then my friends weren't just you know other white actors and other white directors right. and producers and stuff. And it was <laughs> um, and it was cool. It was great. And you know, from that moment on, you know, from there I did you know Waiting to Exhale and you know several other movies and you know and so um, yeah. But it was you know it was it was it was a diff- it was a strange time in a sense because. I remember going to premieres and stuff and there'd be other black actors there and stuff. And, you know, I didn't really know them and, and they weren't really, you know, gratiating themselves to me. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. um, so it was cool, you know, after a while when you start to actually start working with them and it's like that. So, you know, they yeah. actually have that, you know, kind of kinship. Yeah. Awesome. So then talk to me about what, what, at that point, what kind of moves are you making? Like above the rim happens and, that's like 91 we're moving up to at this point? No, Above the Rim is in 94. 94, yeah, got it. So the five heartbeats happened. You got to meet Harry. Um, Yeah, you know, the five heartbeats was an interesting thing. But I mean, you know, I mean, at that point, I was, you know, I was an actor that was that was getting some heat. Yeah. You know, especially um, in the um, female department. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, for whatever reason it was, you know, they had... Um, you know, they they dubbed me as, you know, some sort of a sex symbol or whatever. Yeah, so, um, good looking guy. And then, you know, and then um, doing the Madonna video kind of, you know, pretty much. Yeah, let's, cement, I mean, that, cemented that across the board, you know, white or black. When music videos were at the pinnacle of the time, how did it feel to work with her? Was that a good experience for you? Is, it, is that something you look fondly back on? The experience of actually working with her and Mary Lambert and something like that was, was great. I mean, Madonna was, you know, Fantastic. She was, you know, I mean, she's extremely generous and very sweet. And, um, yeah, it was a very big budget, you know, video. I mean, I, I didn't want to do it at first. Really? Yeah. Well, why would I want to? Yeah. I mean, it's at, at that particular point, you know, I mean, I consider myself a serious actor. Yeah. I mean, what am I doing dancing around and, you know, in a, in a video with Madonna and music videos weren't like, that's not what you saw. Like good actors. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so it wasn't, it wasn't something I was like jumping to do, you know? Yeah. So, um, but once I had, a, you know, once my agent said, listen, meet Mary Lambert. She's a feature film director, you yeah. know? So why don't you meet with her, talk about the story, whatever. And she told me the story. Wanted to play two different characters and, you know, and, and act. Yeah. And, uh, and so I said, can you, know, can I hear the song? And I heard the song and I said, wow, this song is going to be number one. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> You know, so, you know, so from there, it just, you know, things just happened and, you know, it was cool. It was a great experience. And, you know, I have to admit, I, I thought that, you know, with all the things happening and how big Madonna was a big comeback after being married and everything else that, you know, that this would definitely be on the front page of the calendar section, but I didn't know it'd be the front page of the news period. Yeah. Like live at five, you know what I'm saying? It's like, could you walk the streets after that came out or? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. look, look, to, you know, as far as like walking the street, there's no day in my life that, you know, people aren't asking me for pictures or whatever. Of course. You know, and so, but, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was more, it was interesting that people from around the world yeah. 
and other countries and stuff were requesting interviews of me. Yeah. Like that, that, it, it was, that, a, it was your first global scale experience. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's why I found, you know, doing international press, you yeah. know, and people didn't speak English. You know, that was, that was, that was, that was different for me. Interesting. And then at that moment, then what's informing your decisions at this point? I mean, you said it's availability, but talk to me about some of your decisions. Like, but let's talk after the five heartbeats. Then you have Buffalo Soldiers, right? With Joaquin. And then it then it's above the rim. No, um, I don't, I mean chronologically, um, I well see from the Madonna. I mean the, the five heartbeats. Um, and Harry was, was on last week, and we were talking about it. At first, it wasn't. It became a cult hit after the, it had a second life, right? Right, but yeah. it, but it's different, you know. I mean, well, one we have to talk about the Madonna video because that's when Robert Townsend saw me. Robert Townsend saw me at the MTV Music Awards as Madonna's date. Wow, he was there and he saw me. And he had written this movie um, with Keenan Ivory Wayans for them to play brothers. Yeah. And by the time the movie got green lit, um, Keenan had got in Living Color, so he couldn't do it. So Robert saw me um, at the MTV Music Awards, and the casting director was saying, you know, there's this guy that you just got to meet, yeah. you know, Jackie Brown, which was me. And then when Robert saw me at the, you know, with Madonna, he's like, oh, he's getting that kind of heat. Let, let me meet him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, and so I met him and we had a meeting and, um, from there we did that, you know, and, and it was interesting because the Robert Townsend thing was interesting because he, t Robert had talked to me in a way that I hadn't been talked to before. You know, um, I didn't audition for the movie. We just had conversations and, and he told me that he saw me as a matinee idol he said he saw me as somebody that you know just like they go to the movies to see guys like brad pitt or something yeah. like that 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 women could come to the movies and see me yeah. especially black women and i was like wow you do <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> so i was like okay yeah, yeah okay let's go whatever yeah. you want to do now he's yeah. talking to me like that yeah. <laughs> i'm in baby yeah, I'm in, so. <laughs> that's awesome man. yeah so um yeah, so then we, you know, we, we got together and we, you know, it was a long extended rehearsal period. You know, Robert was filming, taping everything because, you know, he's a meticulous director in that sense. And going back to the beginning, was this the first time in film that you got to use your singing? No. Well, the thing is, we didn't sing in that movie. You didn't? We did not sing. Robert had already knew the voices that he had before. Got it. He even cast the movie. And so um, he knew that he wanted Quiet Boy to have a high falsetto, although Quiet Boy's. Um, Tico Wells is actually a very good singer, but yeah. he's but he's not that range, right? You know? um, and um, so he knew the voices already. So basically, he was hacking the actors that he that he thought were going to bring the characters to life. So it wasn't really about that. And it's so funny you said that because um, we did a screening recently in Cleveland. Wow! Um, for his documentary, um, the making of the Five Harbies, which wow. is really wonderful. You should see it. And he actually said to the crowd. That, um, well, you know, I cast the movie, you know, but, um, but first I had to get because none of the actors could sing. And so it was really funny. So we did the Q and A and I was like, excuse me, Robert, did you just tell these people that none of the actors could sing? <laughs> and then people Called like, him and, out. and then people started yelling, Leon and the people, Leon and the people. Like, <laughs> so he says, no, 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 no. He says, Leon could sing. And so he goes, just like they, but I'd already had the voices in my head yeah. that I wanted these characters to be. So. Um, so no, so that was, so, um, that wasn't, but he's funny, but it's funny because the, that kind of role just came to me. Yeah. Um, and it was, um, it was great. And it was also in a unique experience because going through, um, the rehearsal process and, and bands, you know, one of the things, um, about the five heartbeats was that it's about a band of, that people, they all stay together. Very few bands, people stay together. Yeah. Not the temptations, not anybody. Yeah. Then people get, come in, out, ego problems, all kind of stuff. Record labels get right. egos yeah, involved. Yeah, right. And, and yeah. so, you know, lead singers leave yeah. to do their own thing and all kinds of stuff. And, um, we, um, we went through a lot of that. You know, there was, um, you know, there was egos and, and things like that. And, you know, people getting some attention and not getting attention or some people thinking they were better actors, you know, all kind of stuff. So, you know, it was good. It's was, it was good because I thought that kind of stuff actually made itself onto the screen. Yeah. And it was good. It was a good process. Um, yeah. I, and then after, you know, after the, so, but during the five heartbeats, um, 
Robert thought he was making a masterpiece and he convinced us as well. Yeah. And what happened is that the movie tested higher than Home Alone. Wow. They flew us on private planes, everything. I mean, we were on, we were in Esquire, we were in Interview Magazine. We were, and now was the problem. We weren't in any black magazines. Right. We weren't on street corners. Wasn't aware of its audience. Right. Yeah. And um, so, and then what also hurt the movie too was you know Robert fought with them with the trailer. Yeah. They um they wouldn't release a trailer until four weeks before the movie because they couldn't agree on the trailer and the trailer they put out there was just a singing. Yeah. I mean, imagine kids looking at guys with processed hair and yeah. like that, trying to shoot. No context. Especially because just weeks earlier, New Jack City came out. Yeah. So it was a street movie. People were all into that. But also, what really hurt um, was um, there was a shooting at theater for New Jack City, wow. which really hurt black film at that time. Yeah. So um, there was a lot of things going on. So you know, so it was very shocked that the movie didn't you know do very well. Yeah. And um, but then you know the movie found a life of its own and became. You know, the well, most one of the most successful of all time, I think. Well, it, as far as as far as recognition among black people, of yeah. course, AOL voted it as a top movie in the last twenty five years. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's become you know black families. You know, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, that's what they watch at their reunions. You know, and their graduations. And you know, it's like you know, grandpa's always like, "Come on now." <laughs> <laughs> you know we gonna watch the five heartbeats. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. And so at, at at this moment, the one thing I've learned about Hollywood is that they want to see you do one thing very, very well, and you succeeded doing that. And you're this good-looking leading man, and you're getting these awesome roles. Then that movie doesn't necessarily work out the way you thought it would. What do you tactically change up the way you start approaching roles? Did that kind of that movie not work in the way? Did it change the way you approach what scripts were coming your way, or? No, I mean, you know, by the time the movie is coming out, you know, you're, I'm already working on something else. Yeah. So, um, but you, you know, you're just uh, hoping that it's going to, you know, catapult you. But you know, you just, you just never know. I mean, yeah. how things work out. So, you know, from that moment, you know, I wound up doing, um, in the same year, um, I wound up doing, um, a movie with Sylvester Stallone called Click Cliffhanger in Italy. And um, which did three hundred and some odd million at the box office. Yeah, and then I played the lead role in Cool Runnings. And how was that? And because both coming out in the same year, which made me the top-grossing African American at the box office that year. I think Cool and, Runnings and, was the most successful Disney movie and, of all time. And then what happened is, and then what happened is, um, you know. You figured that you know I'd be offered all everything in the world, and there just wasn't things out there. You know, and so, um, but then I did Above the Rim, yeah. which they thought was going to, you know, do gangbusters. And, you know, and I chose that and I was happy to do that because I got to play a basketball player. And, um, that movie, although another cult classic, yeah. you know, but didn't open up big. Yeah. You know, um, soundtrack went number one. And you have two of the lates, Bernie Mac, Tupac, you know. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, you know, it's just the luck of the draw. Yeah. You know, you know, you you can't you can't ever think you could do something that is the same thing or even better than some other actor did that catapulted them into God knows what. Yeah. And if the timing's not right, you know, it's just the way it is. So compare and despair. Yeah. So, but luckily, you know, I just, I continue to work and and do some really good roles and um and good movies and you know but um and yeah w was cool runnings is, is that was that a exciting time for you doing something on that scale for you know disney at the time because they didn't really have a lot of live action in their catalog no yeah. no no man. Yeah. yeah no it was very exciting it was yeah. very exciting to be um in you know in my second home jamaica yeah you know shooting and it was um exciting telling a story and you know, I was working with John Candy. John Candy was great. He was fantastic. I mean, you know, <laughs> I miss him. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, it was really, you know, I remember being in Canada with him and going to, um, a hockey, hockey, um, <laughs> a hockey game with from the team that he was one of the part owners with. And it was, um, it was nice sitting in the suite and it was like, it was fun. He was great. Good dude. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. He's a great guy. That's amazing. And then, HBO decides to do something. We're skipping a few years, but they go into original content and Oz happens. Right. Well, that was an interesting situation because um, I got a, um, 
my agent called me and said that um, they wanted me to meet um, this producer named Tom Fontana. Um, and at this particular point, um, you know, I was doing just movies. You know, I wasn't thinking about doing a TV series, and that that wasn't really the way to go if you could do movies. Yeah. You know, so um, I was just doing movies, and so um, I met um, Tom Fontana, and um, we got along. And um, he told me that you know he wanted to meet you know an actor that he that he could write for. Yeah. You know, he wanted to write for the actors, and that that he wanted in his show. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, it was here in New York. I I just moved back to New York because I I just finished doing Above the Rim, and since I did Above the Rim, I stayed in New York. You know, that was an interesting experience. I got to ride my bike to to the set every day, and it was it was cool. Um, yeah, and you know, and what happened is that it was it was uncharted territory. Yeah. At the time, and uh, I mean, I really enjoyed the work. It was fantastic, and um, but we agreed to you know just do you know half the season. Um, and you know, that probably wasn't, wasn't a good, um, thing for the series, um, or for me. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Tom had written a really great character and Tom said it was the first time his mother had ever called him to critique his work Wow. and said that how on earth could you have killed Jefferson Keene? Yeah. And, um, but you know, I was, um, I was going to, um, I was off to do the temptations. Yeah. And so David Ruffin. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and with the temptation was, was but that I did, a, I did come back and do a couple, a couple episodes of Oz. Yeah. You did the flashbacks, right? Um, well, I did one flashback it, and then I, then, um, I played, um, the narrator. No way. Yeah. Wow. Um, cause, um, Harold, yeah. you know, was, um, he had, um, he Romeo and Juliet. Do, Right, he couldn't yeah. do the last seasons like that. So that so they had um, different people be the narrator, and I came back and um, and my kid character was the narrator from from the grave. I don't <laughs> think people understand what an iconic show that was because it just never that kind of that kind of violence. That, I mean, it was so ahead of its time. I mean, violence, nudity, and but more importantly, um, it explored um, a life that is so much a part of our culture, yeah. which is life behind bars. Yeah, and we hadn't really seen that. And so um, it was great. It was HBO's first original series. Yeah. Um, you know, Tom convinced them to do it, and um, that basically started all the things you see now. From I know that to you know the Wire to Game of Thrones and and everything else. Yeah, I mean, you guys you guys threw the fork in the road and changed the game forever, mm-hmm. part of history. Mm-hmm. So then let's talk about the Temptations because that David Ruffin. That's I mean that's a game changer, and you get to bring back your singing in this time, right? Well, that's another situation. So, in um, what happened is that when I did the five heartbeats, um, I met um, Otis Williams from The Temptations, and he wanted me to. Um, he told me that they were they, they had, there was a book coming out, and they were going to want to make it into a movie, and that he wanted me to play him. Wow! And I said, "Yeah, that'd be great." You know. So, um, what happened is that. Um, they made a deal um uh, Suzanne Passes and Hallmark with NBC to make um the the uh, movie based on his book which now is a is a play called H Pride to Beg on Broadway and um they called me in for a meeting and they said um you know Otis has made us aware that uh that you're his you know his choice to play him um in this movie and um, we're fine with that. Yeah. Um, we just wanted to know um, what you thought, and do you think, and is this the role that you'd want to play in this movie? And I said, "Well, I know that Otis wants me to play him, but I probably think I would best serve this movie if I took on the role of David Ruffin." And they were like, oh, my God, we're so happy you said that. Oh, my God, we didn't know who we'd get to play David <laughs> Ruffin if you didn't play David Ruffin. It's like, you know, so we said, we go, we'll, we'll tell Otis. Yeah. You know, and they told Otis, and Otis said, it's it's okay, I understand. Yeah. And so. What an amazing role. How was that experience, shooting that? Um, It was good, you know, because, you know, it was a long extended rehearsal. Yeah. Um. We um, and that was that was a made for TV special, right? At the time when they were right. still doing those, yeah, yeah. yeah it was it was a two part yeah. mini series, yeah. And um, and um, you know, long rehearsals, a lot of dancing, 
you know, the numbers, because the temptations, you know, the steps, they were so precise. Yeah. You know, and, um, but, you know, going back to my early acting days and, um, that we talked about, you know, I was actor, I was a method actor, so I was Dave Ruffin the whole time. Wow. So safe to say that, you know, my co-stars, I wasn't their favorite person. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But you and, had to be in that place, you know? And, um, and so, but, you know, I, you know, I think that, you know, I mean, for one, I tell people this all the time. Every one of the guys in that movie, in the Temptations movie, that played the Temptations was fantastic to me. Yeah. They all played their role, you know, excellent. Yeah. I mean, they were, you know, really fantastic actors. They were, you know, well-trained actors too. You know, they're very good, very good. And um, and if and if I stand out in that movie, it's only because David Ruffin stood out in the Temptations. Yeah. You know, not because I'm better than anybody. Yeah. You know, and so, um, you know, that was it. That was that was a it was an interesting experience. You know, it was great. And um, stamina lies. Do you feel like it just you had to fire on all cylinders at that moment? You know. Yeah, I mean, I was just, you know, I was just David. I just yeah. walked on the set and I just, I just did what I did because, I mean, I was just David the whole time. So I just stayed that way. But, um, you know, that was just, you know, you know, that was, you know, and that was, a, th- that in some respects was a, as a, was a bit of a game changer as far as television was concerned. Yeah. Because, um, it, when it was, in it aired, it was like, a, it got a 40 share. I remember, I saw it. I and I rem- and it was the first time, like the heads of studios would come up to me and go, "Yo, dude, um, wow, that that Temptations thing got like forty something share. Like that's you know, like oh, okay, cool. Like Joe Roth and people like that. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, All right, okay, you know, like yeah. they're taking notice and stuff. And and then um, and then that that was cool in the sense because then NBC had got the rights to do um, Little Richard, yeah, from his book. And um, it put me in an um, interesting uh, position because they only wanted to do it if I agreed to do it. Wow. And so um, doing that, I was able to suggest um, my director, something I had never been able to do before. And they did. I hadn't had a director. They had some people on their list. And I said, um, I'd really like for you to consider um, Robert Townsend. And I said, if you have any doubts, I want you to watch this movie called The Five Heartbeats. Wow. And after a while, they made, they made Robert an offer, and it was great. And so me and Robert got together again, and we went to town and did Little Richard. That's amazing. Yeah. It all came full circle. Yeah, no. It was, yeah, it was great. And, um, you know, people loved the movie. It was, um, you know, it was a lot of hard work, obviously. Um being someone, you know, that energetic and also someone that, you know, conflicted. Yeah. I remember meeting Little Richard and um at a hotel where he lives on Sunset Boulevard and he was um we had a meeting and he was very, very, very um he was very emotional. Wow. Um he was um he was upset at the way they were trying to depict him. Um um because he'd read earlier scripts. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, you know, that's not fair to me. Why would they want to do that to me? He says, but um, when they told me that um, you had agreed to play the role, um, it kind of eased my mind because you did such a great job with my good friend, David Ruffin. Wow. And... Um, that must have been crazy to hear. And he said... Um, so I think, you know, I think you'll do a great job playing me, although you're not as pretty as me. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, um, you know, for me, it was very strange, you know, them wanting me to do a little Richard because I'm just like, you know, like 6'3". And, um, I, you know, I don't because, you know, the only little Richard that I knew was a little Richard at that time was like a Jerry Curl yeah. little Richard with all this makeup on and, you know, and these like flamboyant clothes and stuff. And I was like, well, that's not me, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, but I didn't realize that I didn't know little Richard that they wanted me to play. They said, no, I want you to read this book. 
you're going to play Little Richard from 1957 to 1963. And he was a stud. <laughs> wow. And yeah, and um and so you know, when I read the book and, and, and started studying him and looking at pictures of him and stuff like that, I was like, great. But it also was very interesting, too, too, because it was the first time in my career that I heard whispers. I heard whispers that, you know, that I couldn't pull it off, that I wasn't, the, oh. that I was miscast, that I wasn't the right person. The gauntlet was thrown. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was very interesting. So I think that as much as, um, you know, I was a method actor before. Uh, I was like, I mean, if you talk to Robert, I was just deep in it. Yeah. You know, because I was like, okay. These well, I'm well, doing no, it. No, yeah. I'm mean, just like, I was like, okay, yeah. well, then let's see. Yeah. You know, like, let, let the work speak. Let's, let's yeah. see if you're right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it's not going to be for my lack of dedication. That's yeah. for sure. Because that's the only thing I can control. Totally. You know, so, um, so that was, you know, so that was interesting. And then, um, you know, just, you know, just went on from there, you know, playing different roles. And Talk to me. Doing those kind of roles, did that bring you back to music yourself? Because I know right now... Well, what, 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 what really brought me to music was being a well-known actor and my love for um, reggae music in particular. Um, I got to ask to host co- concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and at that, you know, for most of my life, from about 19... <sighs> mid 80s to you know up to 98 2000 like that yeah. i lived or spent about 3 to 4 months of the year in jamaica wow and um which was a funny thing because that's one of the reasons why i got cast to do cool runnings because when dawn steel who produced the movie and was you know late dawn steel and they were scouting in jamaica um everywhere they went People were saying, Leon has to be in the movie. <laughs> Leon has to be his favorite actor. You know what I'm saying? So she was like, what is this? It's like, yeah. everyone in Jamaica, like I said, yes, because, you know, I'm, I'm living, I'm You're down there all the time. Part of the culture, man. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they know me, you yeah. know, so, um, yeah, so, um, I forgot where we were before I, I, well, I we're talking about how you got back to music. Yeah, I got yeah. to music. So I wound up, um, hosting a lot of, um, um, reggae shows and big reggae shows, and I want to be in um, one of the um, co-hosts of the big reggae Sunsplash tour. Wow! With uh, with Tommy Cohen, who was legendary. Yeah. And, um, and you know, with bands like Steel Pulse and Barris Hammond and Third World, and you know, even Queen Latifah was on one year, and you know, a bunch of people. It was just it was amazing, and and I so I got to hang out with people, you know, Maxi Priest. I got to get to know them, and yeah. you know, and, and you know, and backstage, you know, I'd be singing, you know acapella and stuff like that with people like that you know and they and they just encouraged me they said listen you obviously don't need to sing yeah but you can sing so why don't you of course you know and so i got a chance to um from knowing them i got a chance to be in this band with just a lot of you know really great musicians that played for sting and like i say steel pulse and ub40 and and um we started playing in new york and you know and you know kind of making a name for ourselves but you know, they were doing strictly covers. Interesting. And, you know, I want to do original music. So. Did you start writing? Did you work with a producer? Well, no, I just, um, first thing I, you know, I kind of like started my own band, you know, The Peoples. Um, and, um, actually along with, uh, um, another guy by the name of Kevin Batchelor, who was, you know, really talented trumpet player, singer. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, started you know started you know you know like writing songs and 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 doing things like that and you know trying to play some original material and and then you know personalities didn't work out and you know different ways people wouldn't take the easy way out and you know that kind of stuff and so i wound up you know just going my own with the peoples and then i had to pull a david ruffin on him and be called leon and the people <laughs> We just got better shows that yeah, way. Yeah, totally. yeah, you know, they yeah. didn't know who the people's were, but they yeah. knew who Leon was. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Yeah. So um that's what happened. And then um I um my attorney at the time, um, Ken Hertz, a really good friend of mine, um, I told him that I wanted to do music. And he had introduced me to um this music manager um named David Pasick, who he said had a client that he thought that I would hit it off with. And his name was um, Joel Kipnis, 
Actually, we call him JK. Okay. And who's actually my partner to this day. Wow. Um, we have a production company together. He's my co-writer. He's the producer of my record. And um, we got together, um, produced this song that I wrote called Persecuted Lover. And we just became, you know, lifelong friends. Um, you know, he used to sleep on my couch. No way. Now. That's amazing. Yeah. And now, um, and which was across my studio, which was across from his a studio that he built. And now we both work out of this, this great studio that, um, that he has. Our production company is there as well. Wow. And, um, and that's basically how I really, um, the music thing really took off. Cause once I had, you know, a partner that I could create music, you totally. know, a studio and, you know, actually, and he's, and he's such a talented guy, you know, one of the best guitar players around, you know, and he's produced everyone from Herbie Hancock wow. to Britney Spears, no way. you know, and everyone in between. And so, you know, it's, the, you know, he's, he's, he's no joke. And you just finished a record, right? For your- um, well, I have a rec, we have a new record out now called okay. Love is a Beautiful Thing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Where can so- people find it? Everywhere, anywhere you buy music, okay. you know, whether it's iTunes, Amazon, you name it. You can buy music, you can, it's on the Spectrum Music label. And, um, yeah, it's called Love is a Beautiful Thing. Two of the songs have already charted on Billboard. Um, um, two of them in the top ten, actually, when they were released. Love is a Beautiful Thing, the title track, and a song called Beautiful. Wow. And we have a song out right now that people really love that, um, but that I'm, a, but I have to do this video for it called Sometimes I Wish I Was Single. <laughs> 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 oh man, been there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, no, but really, it's 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 really it's a um it's a love song. The skies is a bad boy too. Ah, yeah. love it. Yeah. Bad boy blues. Mm. So talk to me now, man. What what else is in the works for you? What are you working on now? You know, several things. You know, I'm really um my production company, Motion Mouth Films. Yeah. Um, we um we're working on a couple different projects. Um, the first thing out of the gate was a short film called Make America Black Again. I saw, I really want to see that. I yeah. heard it did awesome at the and, festival. Yeah, and it's won quite a few awards at the festival. Yeah. And, um, and we're developing two shows right now, two pilots. Um, one about a, um, a young, um, street biker in, um, in Philadelphia. Um, and also, um, another show called The Pope of Avenue B. Which is, which will star me, wow. um, as a, a street therapist. Love so, that. You know, so, you know, I, a therapist that doesn't have an office per se. <laughs> he meets his clients in the park, in coffee shops, in bed, wherever they need therapy. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> as we do. Yeah. So, um, and, um, yeah, I'm very excited. We're very excited about the, those projects right there. And, and then, you know, on the acting front, you know, I'm still working on, um, I have, um, last year I did, a, um, a series called 40 and Single. Which I'm very proud of, um, which is I'm streaming on the UMC network, the Urban Movie Channel. Amazing. Which I executive produced as well and um, was shot in Accra, Ghana. Okay. And won the LA Film Festival for Best Exotic Pilot. Wow. And um, and did a movie for BET, which now which is now on Netflix called um, Her Only Choice, which was nominated for International Press Academy um, Award. Um, a tearjerker of a movie about yeah. a woman um, diagnosed with cancer at the same time she was. Um, told she was pregnant wow. for the first time and um and then um i have a, um essence magazine is releasing their first original content um called the love tale okay um created by sidra smith um who did the movie actually it was ahead of his time in the 90s and now they made it into a series wow. um and it's premiering at the essence music festival on july 7th i'm going down there to to make that happen do the premiere yeah and um yeah just um just you know doing my thing that's just setting up a tour for my band awesome as well do the record um yeah yeah and then um yeah just you know other offers coming in just figuring out what i'm going to do next and yeah. um, you know trying to get the projects i want off the ground producing is really something that um I am really pushing right now because when you're an actor you're just a pawn in the process 100 percent. and um you know, you wind up doing things that you're not as proud of because they don't turn out the way you want or the right people weren't hired. And, you know, when you can produce something and, you know, make sure that story at least is told the way you want it to, um, you know, I think it's just a natural progression. And do you feel like in the terms of your career and in the massive expense that you've had and the experience, we live in an era now where it's easier to get things made and certain things that were harder to push before because there's so many outlets? Or do you think it's saturated? 
And um, you know, it's 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 twofold. You yeah. know, I mean, you, know, you have to get things released, and then how do you get them released? Um, are they released in a sense for mass appeal? You know, do do enough people get to see your work? And you know, that's the problem. You know, sometimes you can do things. You know, for example, I'm talking about the series 40s and single. Well, I mean, it's really good, but you know, a lot of people haven't seen it. Um, because UMC was new, it's a new network, and a lot of people weren't aware of it. Yeah. And so, you know, it just depends. You know, do you have the right outlets to get your work out there? Yeah. You know, so therefore, you could be, you know, now you can be an actor, been working all the time, and people can come out to you because, where you been, man? I haven't seen you for a while. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, have, have you done anything? It's like, uh, yeah. And yeah. they check your IMDb <laughs> and they go, oh, wow. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but that's because there are so many different outlets. Yeah. Now, you know, so. That's awesome. Well, Leon, man, you're an artist, and it's an honor and a privilege to have you on the show. I really, truly appreciate your time, man. You're such a magnetic performer, and it's been a real pleasure to get to meet you in both on-air and off-air, and I think only amazing things are in store for you, and I'm so excited. Um, yeah, no, it's a pleasure doing this. You know, it's it's always nice to sit around and just, you know, talk about it because you're actually making me remember things that, I, you know, I don't think about daily. Good. You know, I have, to, I have to go back and say, oh, yeah, right, I did this, I did that, and I was feeling this, you know. So, yeah, thank you um, for having me on. Well, Leon, where can people stay in touch with you? You can stay in touch with me. I'm very active on social media. Um, you can reach me on my Instagram, which is www. J U S T L E O N. That is www. Just Leon. Awesome. And there's no dot and nothing. It's just three W's thrown in front of it because someone took Just Leon and tried to get me to pay for it. So I just threw <laughs> three W's there. <laughs> and you can reach me on Twitter as well, which is Just Leon. J U S T L E O N. On Facebook, which is Leon. Awesome. A, a, you know, a Leon Robinson, aka Leon. So yeah, just Google me. And we're gonna, <laughs> I think we're going to jam one of your new tunes now. Anyone you want to play in specific? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, why not, you know, keep it current. Keep it current. Sometimes I wish I was single. Awesome. Sometimes I wish I was single. Here it is by Leon and the Peoples. Leon, thank you, brother. All right. Stay out late, watch NFL, NBA all day. No one to steal food off my plate. No one to take my balls away. I would flirt and not give a damn. Nothing to hide on my Instagram. Sorry, you may not understand. Sometimes I wish I were a single man. Sometimes I wish I was single. 
wish I was single So I could do it over again Go out and hang with my homeboys Or call one of my old girlfriends Sometimes I wish I was single So we can go back to the day that we met And we can meet up and mingle And fall in love all over again Sometimes I wish I was single 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 If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.